0: Caroline, she's a queen of talking. Hey, what's on your mind? She's getting really not afraid to feel it. So the soul just let it flow. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline.
2: Hey guys, on this episode of Get Real Podcast, I have Natalie Pazley joining me. She is the wife of Eric Pazlay, who is one of the best voices and songwriters. In Nashville, Eric has had several number ones for himself. He wrote Barefoot Blue Jean Night for Jake Owen. And I just talked to Natalie about her journey to Nashville, her journey into the music business. She is so fearless and so hilarious and confident in the most unassuming way. She talks about how she got a job as a song plugger and publisher for John Rich of Big & Rich by literally yelling at him in a parking lot saying john i want to work for you her just absolute confidence and adorableness has and obviously her skills and talent have led her to so many incredible journeys in her life and i just y'all are gonna love her story i learned so much from her because she just puts herself out there and goes for it and doesn't worry or overthink it she just follows her heart and it's led her to amazing amazing experiences and we talk about what it's like to be a new mother she and Eric have a new little baby girl Piper who is getting close to being a year old crawling everywhere it's just so fun to be her friend to be on this journey with her and I've been friends with her for a while but I never knew her whole story so it's just the best time hearing her backstory of how her life has unfolded because she's amazing so you guys get excited for Natalie Pasley here she is
3: here with Natalie. Did you keep Parker as your middle name? I did not. It's you did. gone.
2: So what is your middle name now? Vaughn. Natalie Vaughn Pasley. So is Vaughn your original middle name? Mm-hmm. Oh. Family name. Got it from my mama.
3: If y'all had a little boy, Vaughn would be cute. You know, I always thought if I had a little girl, it would pass on because my mom to me and then I had a little girl and I just couldn't make it work for some reason. If I have another one, who if I have another kid, they'll get Vaughn somewhere. Because you have a little, you and Eric have a little girl, Piper. Mm-hmm. Did you say she's eight months now? She's over eight months. She was eight months on the eighth of August. Oh my god! And crawling, and crawling, about to go on her first European trip. <laughs> she is. Oh my she's god. very excited. Little pistol that she is. And you said she started crawling just in time. Yes, like she literally decided yesterday, like. That was the day. Up until then, she would just lay on the floor and kind of like yell at us because she was irritated. (laughs) She'd be like, pick me up, kind of thing. And then she's like, fine, don't pick me up. I'm going to go cruise around. She just like got up on all fours and took off. And we were like, whoa, all right. And same thing with her little walker. Like she would just stand in her little walker and like holler at us. We attached a dog (laughs) leash to the front of it. And one of our friends is like, do you attach the dog leash to the dogs? I'm like, no. They would take her over a fence or something. But it saves our backs. And we just, like, use the little leash and pull her around. And she did the same day. Same day she chose to crawl, she chose to walk. And she started, like, running down the hallway in her walker. She's like, this is the day of mobility. She took a huge leap.
2: Oh, my gosh. Is it so crazy seeing your daughter just, like, progress all these milestones? Yes.
3: It happens fast, huh? It happens so fast. And, like, right, like, they talk about babies growing in leaps, taking these huge leaps forward. Mm -hmm. And it's so True, because you'll get comfortable in a little stage and then, like, the next day, everything will change. Like, completely new person, new baby. Like, nice to meet you, Piper. Who are you? Again, like, you've changed. It's crazy. And I uh, just want to say
2: for the record, I feel like Michael and I are sort of I get to be a part of y'all's birthing story <laughs> because we were at dinner last Christmas, right?
3: Well, I let's guess see. it had to be last, no. Two Christmases eh? Well, we got pregnant in March. Of 2018, so it was like two Christmas. February of 2018, because it was pretty quick after that dinner. So how long ago was that? February of 2018 was a year and a
2: half. Dang. Okay, so we were all at dinner, and all of us had not decided to have babies yet, but we're like, okay, we're gonna pull the goalie. Yeah, and, and we were. You, you guys were on the fence. Y'all were like, kind of like, oh, I don't know if we're gonna. <laughs> I don't know how we feel about this. We we want to have a baby. I don't know if yet. And then you're like, you and Eric are like, yeah, let's. Pull, pull a goalie michael and i were like yeah we're gonna do it too and then y'all got knocked up right away
3: we did we i mean eric and i we just keep busy like we're constantly busy we're I mean, as everybody is but it seems like we're doing projects that aren't conducive to having a small child like, <laughs> like there's what? a nail gun laying in the corner oh and i'm like eric you're going to need to start finishing some of these projects. You've because you've got a crawler. If we leave a nail gun in the corner and we have a baby, like, and she crawls, like, that's got to go. Oh, that's so, got to go. Like, that kind of a thing where our house is always, or a house, whatever we're working on, is always torn apart. And, you know, tile saw over here, some bizarre adhesive over here. Y'all are like renovators, though.
2: Yeah, y'all are so, like re, what is it re, repo? No, not repo. That's bad. You don't want to be a repo man. <laughs> no. What does that mean? Like you come for
3: people. Y'all are like <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Y'all we like, haven't got We haven't stooped that low yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Eric, like he like when he's on the road, he goes to antique stores and he finds all he sorts does. of like funky things and then he'll he reassemble them you'll have a farmhouse yeah. and he like did the whole thing and you're his partner in crime right yep
3: we i mean we hired big stuff like when you take out five walls and five separate rooms and make it like the big open space you know you kind of have to get a whole bunch of people in there to put up the big beam otherwise you die yeah so yeah you have to make sure you're like doing it correctly yeah and safely yeah so we have some good friends who work with us on that stuff and it's a lot of fun is it y'all really like doing all the renovation stuff Yes, Piper has changed my speed a little bit, <laughs> but Eric, nah, yeah, full throttle. He used to use his door bus just to like transport doors. I'm like, did you play doors? shows this weekend or go antiquing? He would come back and like the whole like back lounge of the bus or something would be full of like an antique mantle or doors or like old like salvage windows, you know, and the band is like all cramped in there. Like, this is great. <laughs> you know, he's like, guys, help me unload my doors. What like, does he do with all of it? He uses it where well well, he used we we put all antique doors in like our house and we put all antique doors in the farmhouse and we just use them so we love them so he's just scouting all over the country he's
2: like american picker
3: totally totally gosh lay picker
2: there you go lay picker. (laughs) i still think y'all need your own show i think it would be so fun
3: one of these days
2: one of these days just add to your list of things to do
3: totally it's on the list but right after i you know get the nail guns cleaned up. (laughs) I I mean, is it bad? I got on Amazon the other day and ordered one of those like leashes, those like backpack. No, I think that's smart. Yeah, so little Piper's gonna have a unicorn clinging to her back and I'll be on the other end of it as she's crawling. I think that's a good idea. Apparently it's supposed to help, you know, you can help support them when they learn to walk too without having to bend over all the time and just hold up their little backpack leash. Yeah, and I think if you're ever
2: traveling in big public spots, put that leash on. Yeah. I mean, you don't want your kid running off dang Mm-mm. heck no no so okay so let's let's start with you in the beginning because you have not always been a national native nope but i love that you've gotten your whole family to move here pretty much which is amazing because like now your mom your sister no your mom your brother and your sister-in-law well we've recently had a change oh they don't live here anymore Mm-mm. they moved hmm. because <gasps> they were living in y'all's back apartment
3: yep they oh. were um my sister-in-law Brittany. um she came to Nashville to do a one-year like accelerated master's program in Bandy. It's over. and she graduated. And they moved to Jackson, Mississippi, where my brother's starting his PhD program. How nah. rude! I know. And so I'm unthoughtful. Like, I was a mess. I'm like standing in the street, like doubled over, trying not to puke, bawling. I'm like, <laughs> it was so. I mean, it was so ridiculous. I'm like, well, Eric got his studio back because, of course, I'm like, hey, Eric, hey, babe, you know your studio back because uh, I'm putting a bed in it, and my brother and my sister-in-law and their dog and their cat. He's like, okay. I love that the whole family moved in because your mom lived, like mm-hmm. your mom, your brother and sister-in-law,
2: mm-hmm. and your grandparents all live within the various mm-hmm. two houses with you guys, which yep. I
3: think is amazing. Yep, Eric has like, let me build a family compound. <laughs> like, just kind of you know snuck them in there it's awesome yeah my grandparents my grammy's in her 80s i love your grammy i got to talk
2: to her at your baby shower she is feisty she's feisty yes Yes, she She, is feisty she has got it going on what'd y'all talk about Oh gosh, what
3: did we talk about? I just don't I remember it was a very spirited conversation. Better what didn't you talk about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have Some awesome memories of her in the backseat with another good friend, Dylan Altman. You know, Dylan, songwriter in yes. town. He he and Eric wrote Barefoot Blue Jean Night together. And Dylan, oh, which, for all
2: y'all wondering, Eric's a great singer, songwriter himself and artist, but he wrote that huge smash for Jake Owen. Mm-hmm. That was like one of Jake's biggest songs. Yeah. Barefoot Blue Jean Night."
3: Yeah. I mean, Jake had had some hits up until then, but... That one, like, sent him to another level. I think it did. And mm-hmm. I, the way that people kind of talked about it, they're like, man, Jake had great songs up until then, but people weren't necessarily, like, pulling them all into one thing. Like, they're all Jake Owen. Suddenly, like, that song kind of somehow yes, brought it all together or something. And you so, had something to do with that, didn't you? I was obsessed with that song.
2: Like, I'm sidetracking you. I know we're talking about something else, but we're just. I'm going to hop into your publishing world really that's fast. That's fine. Uh, Eric
3: turned that song in.
1: Which is, you
2: were a song plugger. Yes. So that's how you actually met Eric. Yes. Is. Well, and then not, we'll get back to your family and the compound and all that. Sometimes my listeners are like, Caroline, you sidetrack your interview, <laughs> who you're interviewing so much and stop interrupting. But I'm like, no, I just got to get this. I don't want to forget. Let's see. Actually,
3: Eric and I didn't meet in the publishing company. We actually met before that, like in bars, like all over town, at showcases and stuff, you know, just doing the Nashville, freaking crawl, whatever it is we all do, like, there's like getting to this, know all the artists and writers, and you're there's of bars night. that everybody, everybody goes, goes to.
2: Yeah, and so for all you guys listening who don't know, a song plugger publisher is that is someone who's there's actually a great career in Nashville where you can write songs and get paid. True, and it's amazing. And you write for companies when you're a songwriter. And at the companies, there's someone like Natalie, who is the publisher. And she will get your songs that you turn in as a songwriter. And then she will listen. And have you have, like, a pitch sheet mm-hmm. of who's recording, what artists are cutting. And you get those songs from your songwriters to the artist's recording and get songs on albums.
3: Right. I would always tell my, um tell family when they ask. I'm kind of an agent for songwriters. Yeah. So, and... Yeah, you're out there slinging songs around, trying to get the right people to hear them fall in love. So, Barefoot Ploochie Night. Eric and Dylan and their other, their third songwriter on it was Terry Sawchuk, And they came and turned the song in, and it was awesome. Except there was a line in there. I love, I'm not even gonna remember what it is. The um, second verse, sitting, they're sitting on the dock, I love it. I can't even think of the verse something like sitting by my cousin or sitting by my sister or whatever, th- that was the original line. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it sounds like you're hitting on your cousin. <laughs> and the line was something like, sitting next to my cousin. And I'm like, now you have to change it. It sounds like- A little too incestual. Yeah, ancestral. it sounds a little too ancestral. You're gonna need to change that. And I remember Dylan, like start, he was just like preaching the line back at me. He's like, that's not what it says. It says this. I'm like, yeah, but it plays by so fast that it sounds like this. <laughs> and Eric, he's he's like, the least defensive person I've ever met in my life. If you, it, it's bizarre in all things. Like his artistry, his writing, like everything about him. I've never met a person who is more open to constructive criticism or change than he is. And he brings really? that into our marriage. Thank God. That's because, amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. But anyway, he sat there and he listened to me. He's like, Hmm. Yeah, that's not what it says. But I could see it. If there's one reason for a song not to get cut, it's not going to get cut. Let's change it. Like grabbed Dylan and pulled him out and changed the line. And I wanted Eric to record the song, but he had just finished his first record. So he was done. Um, and so I started pitching it and I pitched the fire out of that song. I played it for everybody in town and everybody passed. How? Yeah, everybody passed. They're like, oh, one huge producer who I'm not going to name names who produces a huge artist actually responding was like, ooh man, I hope music doesn't go in that direction. No way. Yeah. And I, I always was like, find it hilarious
2: mm. when those kind of comments get made. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, who actually has the right to know what's going to be a hit and what's not? Like, yeah. anything can work. Yeah.
3: And I have, a, I have a very detailed pitch sheet. I have written down every single song I have ever played who I played it for, who what artist I was thinking about and the response of the person who listened. Oh and it is gosh. detailed. And I mean it's like a tell all of who's who yes. in Nashville and what their ears are like and who missed what. <gasps> and I mean You it's... could blackball so many people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's funny, but it's all subjective. So yeah. if I had played that song for that producer a week later, he might have listened to it and been like, "Man, I'm feeling that today." You know, it is so you,
2: crazy how it depends on the day, mm-hmm. the mood, what's going on in that person's life that you're pitching the song yeah, to.
3: Yeah, it all plays such a part. It totally does. I mean, I definitely hear a song. I'm like, man, that's freaking terrible. And then a week later, I'm like, singing it. I'm like, what am I singing? This right. is good. And then I'll realize what it is. I'm like, yeah, there it is. Uh-huh. All right, it's all subjective. So, but anyway, it took me forever to get that song cut. And How'd it was you finally get it to Jake. It was like the last my last-ditch effort, and there was an A&R person who was like the head woman over at Sony, and named Renee Bell, and I was teaming up with another um, plugger and creative director at the company named Billy Lynn, and he's like, let's go see Renee, it's like her last week at Sony, she's leaving, she's listening for Kenny Chesney and Jake, and you know, so we're going through songs, and he comes with one that I just don't like, you know, and Billy's like, I want to take this one. I'm like, oh man, it's a little heavy for me. I don't think so, but let's take Barefoot Blue G Knight. He's like, man, we pitched that to everyone. Everyone." He's like, you have run that song. Into the ground. Into the ground. It's <laughs> over. And I'm like, nah, we're going to take it. So we went into that meeting, and the song that he pitched that I didn't want to take got cut by Kenny Chesney. No and way. Barefoot Blue G Knight got cut by Jake out of that one meeting. Stop. Yeah, and we were, I mean, anybody who knows... Plugging and publishing in Nashville knows that that is a one in a hundred million chance. Oh my gosh,
2: going into a pitch meeting and actually getting a song interested yeah. by the person listening yeah. is hard. Getting them to even say they like it, but <laughs> yet, let alone getting two cuts, yeah, and two big cuts. I mean, it on was, big artist yeah. albums from one pitch meeting. I mean, that's a yeah. good day.
3: Yeah, and the Kenny Chesney song. I mean, it was an awesome song. It was just like too heavy for me that day, and thank goodness that Billy was feeling it. Yeah, he was feeling it that day. So, yeah. 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 So, crazy stuff. So, how did you get into publishing song plugging? I um so moved to Nashville. Where did you it from? I moved from Ohio. OH. H. OH. H. I oh mm-mm. no! <laughs> I'm not that person. You're not. The, mm-mm. You don't do that. No, I, I don't. Everyone from Ohio does nope, that. I don't, and I don't have a rivalry with anyone from Michigan or any of that. I'm like Ohio, whatever. It's cool. Okay, okay. Okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, I love Ohio. Like the people there are great, but I didn't have any. Like the ground I'm standing on is. I don't. I'm not like that. Eric's not like that either. Like he's from Texas. I, he's and, right by me, Temple, yeah, Texas, thirty it, minutes away from yeah. me. And like he loves Texas. Don't get me wrong, but like. Texas is its own thing. Oh, Like, yes. Texas proud, and he is, but he's not. Die hard. Yeah, he's not, like, die hard like that. He's like, I love Texas. Yeah. There's a lot of places in the world I love. Totally. So, anyway, I'm from Ohio and moved down here, and I went to school at Vanderbilt, and I studied opera.
2: Oh, I forgot you sing opera. I I heard you sing opera, too.
3: <laughs> you heard a little hilarious backyard. Barbecue opera. Barbecue opera. On the spot jam, thank you Stevenson. Shout I, out Amy Brown. <laughs> I did not know that well, you, you have to heard that Amy. I just threw in her last name. Can you not throw in her last name? No, I don't think so. Why? I don't think we're say her last name. I think she just goes by Amy. Oh, Amy Bobby Boncho can't say her last name. Oh no, I don't think she's ever said it. You can edit that, right? I think she said it. I don't think so. Okay, we'll find out. We'll find out, and then you just put a big beep on
2: top. of <laughs> mm.
3: Anyway, okay, we'll
2: find out. Um. But I didn't know you were an opera singer. Yeah. And you just like, all of a sudden, Stevenson was having everyone go around the circle sing songs, which is really intimidating. It
3: is intimidating.
2: Uh, and he's like, it, and he was not letting anyone leave.
3: No, but everybody did had to not sing. sing.
2: So it means like you have no choice. Yeah. And then Natalie walks up to the center of the circle and just busts out opera. Well, h-
3: hold up. Actually, my sister and I were trying to leave. <laughs> we, were trying, <laughs> to slip out. Yeah, we were trying to sneak out because Stevenson had actually gone into the house. At first, it was like a few of us outside and he had this microphone that has a built-in speaker, like a little karaoke like system all in one. And He's like, everyone's got to sing, everyone's got to sing. He's like, I'm going to go inside and get everyone to come on out here. And he goes inside and we're all laughing. We're like, nah, no way. Sure enough, he herds everybody out. He's got everybody on the back deck and he's like (laughs) making everybody sing, you know? And so my sister Tara and I are like, okay, let's- She can sing too. And she can sing too, my sister can sing too. So Piper was there and she started getting feisty. I'm like, man, great excuse, we're gonna sneak out. Yeah. And he stops me and he's like, no, you gotta sing. And Amy, she's like, yeah, Amy, Natalie, she sings opera. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh." I mean, we're all frazzled. It's such a strange thing. like no one's prepared michael wasn't jumping up and singing nobody and was her. i mean everyone was like oh no 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 yeah we're, not yeah, gonna sing. we're good it's fine everyone's nervous and i'm like <laughs> okay opera if i actually sing opera everyone's gonna be like
2: I wish horrified you, will you like, do it now
3: no come on no but i'm like okay what's well, like the only thing i could even think of that's like a crowd pleaser so Give me a little Throw bit. out a little phantom. Give me a little bit. Maybe. Just later. a little bit. Right Maybe now. later. Just, We're just do a little bit. Where's the alcohol?
2: <laughs> I'm going to leave Stevenson. Come on, come on, come on. Not just yet. Just a little bit. Not yet. <laughs> okay, so you went to Vanderbilt to sing opera. I did. How is I that? Did. How do you study opera in college? Uh,
3: A lot of breathing exercises. A lot of... Um, mouth shape exercises and diction classes to learn how to sing in other languages, Uh, master classes where they've got, you know, they'll teach a class to one student. One student is up there on stage and they'll like teach that class with everybody watching. Oh, wow, that's intimidating. Yeah, and also (laughs) of note, I was not an opera singer at all. Like I was auditioning for musical theater programs and I got accepted into two opera programs without applying to them wow and i'm like what in the heck and the reason is because i had like phantom songs in my like rep when i did my auditions and so i didn't want to go to vanderbilt i wanted to go to miami florida and my mom hid the letter <gasps> yeah she didn't want you to go Mm-mm, it Why? was too far she's like i don't want you to go to miami it's too far away
2: she didn't let you know you got accepted Mm-hmm.
3: mama and I, yeah and i had already like pretty much you know decided all right I guess Nashville is it with all the hicks and country music because I didn't know any of it none of it I'm like it's terrible but if I only got an opera programs I might as well go to a school because the- Vanderbilt didn't even have musical theater and I didn't know that at all I came down for my audition and like looked at the requirements and it was like an Italian art song I'm like Italian art song uh like these, this stuff I didn't have. So like the morning of my audition, I went into the Vanderbilt library. I'm like, give me this easiest freshman aria you've got. And they give you like 20 minutes to practice with your accompanist. And I went in it's like this, this Russian piano player with like a thick accent. I'm like, man, you got to teach me this Italian song. Oh God. So here he is with this thick Russian accent teaching me Italian, trying to get me to say the diction correctly. And I'm like just winging it. And so we walk out and my dad was there with me and he's in the back of the auditorium. And I walked out and I like gave this huge bow and (laughs) curtsy and just sang as loudly as I possibly could. Every single made up word that I could think of and just threw it out there. And I look in the back and my dad is doubled over. I can see (laughs) his shoulders just up and down heaving like he is (laughs) laughing so hard. And I got in. And I don't have a clue. I mean, it was obviously God's like, well, okay. This is happening. Yeah. You're supposed to be in Nashville. So if this is how I got to get you there, this is how I got to get you there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Natalie. I mean, I honestly think they sent the wrong letter. Like, (laughs) I do. I I look back on that all the time. I'm like, okay, sure. I hit a couple notes here and there. But obviously, I didn't know what to do. And I get there. And I mean, the people there singing opera, I mean, they've been doing it since they were three. So how did you catch up? Did I? I think I was the black sheep of the program the whole way through. <laughs> I'm like, I walk into my first private lesson with my teacher and I'm like, hey, uh, I just want you to know I faked every single bit of that and I don't sing opera and help. So what do you do when you don't
2: sing opera and now your whole college experience is about to be opera? I mean, that's, Start is from that a scratch. nightmare?
3: It was intimidating. I mean, I definitely was like, I won't be auditioning for any solo parts going on here with anything at all. But you know, I was way too intimidated. But I had. But you're I, also
2: brave because you're willing to just walk straight into something that you really don't know anything about. I had nothing to lose.
3: How'd you find that bravery? <laughs> nothing to lose. I had a great sense of humor about it. I was like, I want to <laughs> sing musical theater anyway. I'm going to Miami. Whatever. So at the end of the day, it was just. I don't know, it was kind of a little adventure for what me. What was your college experience
2: like? And what are you supposed to do with an opera degree? Heck if I know. Well, you're supposed to go to grad school. And then do what? And then sing. Like, in operas? Yeah. So were you planning on singing in operas? Never.
3: So why? what, what was your plan? <laughs> my plan was, I want to go to college and get a degree, and I want to sing my way through it. And, like, Vanderbilt gave me some money for it, and let me come, so I was like, all right, Nashville it is. So when did you realize in the middle of all your opera schooling
2: and all this that you weren't gonna pursue opera anymore and how did you get into the music industry?
3: Okay, well I never, I guess I never had a plan. I figured I would go and get the training because it's great training and then I would fall back into musical theater life again and just go that route with grad school. So my sophomore year, I decided to pick up a second major and I picked up a, a second major in business. And at the end of the four years, I, you know, waved all my friends goodbye as they all graduated and I didn't. You didn't? Nope. Because I got bumped over a semester. Okay. So I took a year off and I actually played in a band. You played in a band? Yeah. yeah. And, what um, kind of band? What music? It was just cover music. Just, I don't know, 90s pop. I love it. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of cruised around, spent a year doing that. I had to take a break and then I went back and did an internship. And I started bartending at Titsie's. And this world-famous bar in yeah, Nashville. He, yeah. Crazy famous bar. I was 19. Mm. And I had just stayed for the summer and needed a job. And so I was looking for a job everywhere. And there's, like, college kids everywhere. Every single hostess, server, whatever job is gone. So I'm, like, striking out left and right. And finally I said something, I don't know, said something saucy to a manager who told me I could have a part-time hostess job or something, and I, like, turned around and walked out, and some guy at the bar started cracking up. He's like, you'd be a good bartender. I'm like, okay. He's (laughs) like, go down to Tootsie's, ask for Steve, and tell him Muddy Bones sent you. I'm like, Muddy Bones? Muddy Bones. Well, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I go down. Tell Muddy Bones. Yeah, Muddy Bone. Here we go. So I go down to Broadway, and go into Tootsie's, and ask for Steve, and the women in the bar I mean, just spitting mean you know and they're like yeah he's not here and i sat there for hours i'm like that's fine i'll wait you know so i sat there for hours at tootsies just waiting for one of these women to like tell me who steve was and finally one of them took pity on me and she's like there he goes he just walked out the front door so they weren't gonna tell you Mm -mm. they were just like whatever so i ran out in the sidewalk and just screamed I'm like, Steve, I'm looking around to see who turns. I didn't know who it was. This guy turns around, I'm like, you Steve? He's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm Natalie, hire me. Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm like, I'm Natalie, hire me, Muddy Bones sent me. And he's like, you bartend? I'm like, no, but I can learn. He's like, fine, you start tomorrow. Stop. That was it. Natalie. That was it. So I started bartending the next day and it was fanfare also known now as cma fest so that means
2: like there's like an extra five hundred thousand million people in town for this it was all coming downtown to tootsies insane did you even know how to make drinks yet no natalie what is your life you are winging it <laughs> like you are just totally I, I winging do. I everything wing everything so i'm like down there i'm like Man. so you have to make all these drinks for all these yes. drunk country music yes. fans coming to town yes. and you don't even know how to make a drink nothing Nothing, not anything.
3: I'm like, a Jack and Coke is like Jack and Coke, right? What if they want something fancy? You learn. I mean, and most of the time it was like vodka, triple sec, and like some kind of juice. I mean, if literally, I'd be like, hey, they want a shot. What color is it? And the other person would be like, red. I'm like, okay, I put some red stuff in it. And like, no one cares. Everyone they just wants to get drunk. Yeah, but like, that doesn't taste right. I'm like, well, that's how we make it in Nashville. <gasps> next, next, next. next. I mean, it was so fast. I mean, that bar is fast. Like if people didn't know what they wanted, you'd be like, "Oh, okay, next." I mean, it was oh my so gosh. fast. So you were learning on the job
2: in the busiest week of Nashville.
3: Yeah, it was
2: crazy. And Muddy Bones, yeah, Muddy
3: Bones, hired you on the spot. Well, he didn't. Steve did. Oh yes, yeah, but Muddy didn't. Bones sent me, and I asked Steve like years later because I worked there for I worked there for the rest of college, and then when I graduated, their parting gift to me was they fired me. Like I graduated and they fired me and said, "You will not be stuck down here." Because cash nice. money, cash money was good yeah so um yeah so that was that you but like, I asked thank steve. you for yeah, firing i know you? i was like i cried a little i'd gotten close to some of the people down there i cried and like left and um yeah i asked steve at one point i'm like who's mighty bounds he's like i have no idea He's like i have never heard that name in my life i have no idea who sent you down here
2: I was like, okay. So you went on some phantom
3: recommendations, yes. basically. <laughs> yes. But Steve just I mean, loved your confidence? I could have said anything. He couldn't be really like, hire me. Freaking, Carolyn sent me down here. You they like, great. Okay, so
2: I want to talk a little bit about this part of your personality that I am really discovering on a deeper level right now. <laughs>
0: Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: What is this fearlessness that you have, and how are you so okay with just diving into the fire and being assertive like this? Where did that come from, and where did you get
3: that confidence? I don't know. I honestly have no idea, because there are so many places in my life where I don't feel like that. Like Where? I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty well planned and organized and in this, that, or the other, but I'm one of the, like, fight or flight, I'm fight. Okay. Like, I've seen it over and over and over again. In yourself? Yes. And it's, like, if something is just in the moment, I, you know, that's that. But it's not like I plan to do any of this. It just kind of is. It falls out Wait, of is my it, mouth. Is it,
2: like, something that you, do you have to be at a certain level of passion to be able to have that kind of, like, Running out in the street yelling Steve
3: at someone hire me like how do you get to that point? Maybe it was desperation. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't passion. I was you know as much as I was like great I don't sing opera I sing musical theater I don't bartend but I will. It was not like I was like yay I want to learn how to make a mean margarita. So what are those thoughts that go through your head like I have this has to happen? Yeah,
2: sometimes you just it just has to be. It just has to be, and you're like it's going to be.
3: Yeah, I got my first publishing well not my first publishing game. okay so how i got in the music industry okay so they that fired a tangent. you yeah they fired so you they did Tootsies fired you but in the years that i was down there working it was i mean age myself it was back before division was a thing like winners and losers and that whole stretch of midtown was not there and that's all the hot bars that everyone yeah. in the music industry like, goes the to. the gulch not there Didn't it was exist. like yeah. creepy like Empty lots. Yeah. There's nothing there. Yes. And now and mean, it is am blown up in the it past is 10 years. Huge. So at Tootsie's, it was the second, like it sold the most beer after the stadium. Like it was that busy and still is with tourists now, but at the time it was like everything. But the music industry execs actually went to Tootsie's. Yeah, so you probably met everybody. I met everybody and didn't know who they were. Oh yeah. Not a clue. I didn't know country music. I went down there and didn't know country music. And after, you know, a little while, I'm, like, tapping my foot. After a little while, I'm singing along. But I don't even know who the artists are. But now I know every word to every song. Because they're playing all all the the hits every night. Yeah, it's cover bands playing the hits and the oldies and whatever it was. So that's how I got my country music education. At Tootsies. Tootsie's. Bartending. Yes.
2: I freaking love this. Okay. Yeah.
3: So Irv Woolsey is a, like... See George Strait or Garth Brooks? George Strait. George Strait's manager. Yeah. And George everything. Strait's manager. Okay. And I mean, this is so bad. Should I even tell this? I don't even know if I tell this. I guess I do. Um <laughs> Yeah. So Irv Woolsey would come in and he would stand at the end of the bar and just kinda hang out and you know, watch the goings on. And he would drink his scotch and we'd chat. And I, whenever I'd have a breather, he'd be like, Hey, Irv, because he's, you know, regular down there. And at one point, he he asks, like, Natalie, how's school going? I'm like, Oh, it's good. I just need to do an internship to graduate. And he's like, An internship? He's like, Well, I'm offended you didn't ask me. I'm like, Well, Irv, why would I ask you for an internship? I know nothing about you. And he kind of <laughs> laughed. He's like, Here you go. Here's your number. Call this person on Monday and he'll give you your internship. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I'm like, who is this guy? You Oh, so I call Eddie Tidwell, and he was running Muy Bueno. I love that you just Publishing. get all
2: these random tips from, uh, yeah. people just give you, totally. it's just following rabbit trails, and you just do totally. it. totally.
3: So I'm like, all right, I call Eddie, and he's like, great, I guess I'm bringing you on as an intern or something. I'm like, yeah, great cool so I show up and I mean I couldn't have been luckier like if I had gone to a big music publishing company like you kind of you can get lost in that kind of thing this was like a one man show and he ran Herb's publishing company which was like co-owned by George Strait and like all stuff and they had a couple writers but it was the kind of thing where I got to know like everything and he took me to every meeting so I got to go to every meeting and meet all of these people you know which you might not have gotten at a bigger company so you got
2: incredible one-on-one like learning experiences yeah it was awesome
3: so I got to do my internship there and at the end of it I mean I was so naive I mean at the end of it I like walk out and walk two houses down because Music Row everyone was in a house on Music Row at this time and so Irv's management company which also at the time he had he had George which he still does he had Leanne Womack and Dark Bentley like yes you know and I didn't know who Irv was or any of those artists
2: you know <laughs> and so i
3: Waltz my butt out of the publishing company. I'm going down, walk in. I'm like, hey, I'm here to see her And they're like, great, let me just check. And I just walk back into his office. Like, I own the place. Didn't even know any better. And they're like, uh. Natalie, I love your confidence. Like, you're so confident. Is it? Confidence, or not have a day. I don't know. I, whatever it is, yeah, kill, it. it's killing the game. So here I am, like in Irv's office, like practically with my feet on the desk. Like Irv, thank you so much. I really enjoyed my internship. And people had, like
2: bow down to Irv. He's like King Irv. Yeah, <laughs>
3: King Irv, King George, King Irv. Yeah, they're hand mm-hmm. in hand. And so it, it, he just kind of he always just kind of laughed at me. Like Irv is he's, so laid back. He's a cool guy. He loves that you're so confident. And had no clue. I was like, such. I mean, what? You know, and he's like, well, did you line up a job? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I mean, next thing on the to-do list is graduate. He's like, well, isn't that going to happen? I'm like, yeah, because I did my internship. Thanks. I'll figure out a job. And he's like, okay. (laughs) You know, and he's like, well, I don't really have a spot here, but I'll think about it. I'm like, okay and like two days later i get a job and i have an offer i have, I have a call from jimmy metz at malaco music who's sharing office space with laura stroud and her big alpha publishing company and there and he's like uh i got a call from irv and you need to come in for an interview so what was the that was job that? i went in and i was an assistant for jimmy and laura like and they ran a publishing company and, uh they both had they were running like separate publishing companies out of the same office, and so I worked for them jointly. Jimmy had Malico, and Laura had Big Alpha. And that was it, they hired me on the spot. They are like, well, oh, I mean, Herb said you're cool, so here you go. Oh my god, Yeah, your life. I love this. And then the next one? What happens next? Are you getting luckier? The next one. You, have you like played the lottery, lottery no. every week? <laughs> because gamble. you are very lucky. Don't gamble. So the next one, I've worked for them for a year now Okay. and they're great and I love them all and they're all like shuddering like big office being sucked back into Warner Chapel and you know so they kind of give me a heads up they give me like a big heads up like four months so like hey at the end of the year like we have to close so we're gonna have to let you go and Laura was so sweet she's like if you don't find anything I'll just hire you as my personal assistant you can just do whatever oh until God, you can find a job sweet. I mean so sweet and you know I'm like okay well let me think about it so Music Mafia had blown up and that like, was john rich john rich uh gretchen gretchen like, wilson everybody, everybody big and rich uh, yeah big and, and they rich. had created their own little like world world yeah. it was huge huge like every tuesday night or monday night or tuesday night or whatever like everybody showed up at music mafia stuff yes and they all just took turns playing and it was this wonderful little chapter And people were like getting record deals out of it and getting careers, you know, big songs were coming out of it. So, you know, we all kind of knew, I mean, like I knew who John Rich was. I didn't know him, you know? And so I was working in Georgetown Plaza, which is on the row. And that's Mm -hmm. where our office space was with Laura and Jimmy. And Georgetown Mastering was there too, like two doors down. And so I see John Rich in the parking lot. Don't tell me. You know it. No, you do not. I walked outside. (laughs) No, you did not, Natalie. (laughs) So I walked outside. I'm like, John, John Rich. You have a good thing with parking lots and getting jobs, girl. (laughs) He turns around. He's like, Yeah. I'm like, Hey, I want to work for you. And he's like, Doing what? I'm like, I don't know. Seems like you're doing a lot. You're getting songs cut everywhere. What if I work in publishing? That's what I'm getting to know. And he's like like, doing, I'm like, like, pitching songs, I'll pitch your songs, he's like, well, I have a publishing deal, and song blogger, I'm like, that's cool, I'll do it anyway, and he's like, okay, he's like, you have a card, I'm like, no, but let me go in the office, and I'll, like, get a piece of paper, and, like, write my number down, you know, my Stop email, it. and give it to him, and he walks off, like, laughing, like, he just turned around, and he's chuckling,
2: I think your confidence, and just the way you can, you just go for it, people can't help but
3: be intrigued by this, I mean, it was so stupid. And actually, I think he followed, he actually followed me into the office. <laughs> and I had my dog there, which you've met, mm-hmm. Beta. Oh, yeah. And this is Beta in his prime like he's a beast and I took him to the office with me every day because he needed socialized because he was like a beast and, and Laura and Jimmy were like we're cool yeah it. yeah they're like you need to bring that dog in here he needs to meet as many people no, as you possible just run the world so beta and me if we're hanging out and John sits down on the chair and beta like walks up to him like he does like real slow looking at John he puts his front feet on the chair and then up on the arm and he's like right there like at the side of his face and John's <laughs> sitting there he's I mean cool as a cucumber but he looks at me he's like can you get your dog off my vase please <laughs> I'm like oh man sorry beta you know down I mean Beta's just like breathing on him like wow anyway so I give him my email I guess it was and uh and he like walks off laughing and no joke like Christmas or something it had been like three or four months I get an email out of the blue and John's like well anyone who will accost me in the parking lot sounds like a good song plugger I signed some writers you start like January 1 this is your salary and stop it yeah he's like offered he, you the job yeah, on the spot yeah.
2: because you accosted him in the parking lot See,
3: yeah like people- he built a co- he like made the company like sign the writers and hit me up and I was like here you
2: go okay people who think that being aggressive in in a great adorable way like you are and putting yourself out there I, who say who think that's the wrong approach i think are totally <laughs> wrong you have got to put yourself out there yeah i mean you I mean, do
3: so so you started january 1st uh, something like that yeah and and it was crazy and he was i mean he was you know he had a healthy I, what word am I looking for like you know he knew I didn't have any experience yeah so he's like if you have trouble getting a hold of anybody call me and let me know and I'll make it happen you know but I'm gonna check in on you like you need to keep a pitch log he's the one who got me started on the pitch log he's like I want to know every song you pitched I want to know who you pitched to and what I want to know said. what they said you know and oh. he's like yeah so he's the one who started me on that and he's like I'll check in with you in a couple months like Email me your pitch log. I want to see. Were so, you
2: nervous about this job? Like, what if you couldn't get it oh, Yeah.
3: It was like, toss you in, you know? And so six months later, he's like, send me your pitch log. Like, he was the best boss ever. He was absentee unless you needed him. Yeah. And there were a few times I'm like, so and so won't respond. He's like, on it. And then, like, 10 minutes later, my phone would ring, you wow. know? And so I'm like, hey, uh, sorry, I must have missed your email. Come on in. I'm like, mm hmm. So, That was kind of amazing, though. So anyway, six months in, I sent him my pitch log. He's like, great, I'm extending you for another six months. And then at the end, and I was working from home. He said, I'm signing you for another six months? I'm extending you for six months. Okay, like keeping you on board. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, and at the end of this first year, he's like, we'll get office space, and I'll actually put you on like a legit moving forward, like contract, da, 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 da. Well, at the end of the year, I had a job offer at Cal4. And I went and told John, he's like, well, what are they offering you? And I told him, and he's like, okay, well, we're not in a position where I can, you know, he's like, I'll match it. And I'm like, mm, I'm ready for an office and like some people. And he's like, okay, well, I can't go much higher than that. He's like, but you know what you need to do. I'm like, what? He's like, you need to go back to them and tell them I offered you double to stay. Stop Yeah, it. as John. John was is like, the best. <laughs> I was like, man, uh, it was awesome. So he was great, and did you get double at California? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go that far. I was like, okay, I didn't go that far. I knew that I wasn't experienced enough to demand that kind of money yet. So anyway, that interview was awesome too because I went in and well, they had come to me earlier and said, you know, we want to hire you. we been looking for a plugger for a while. and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I've, I'm s- still working with John until you know I've got another four months or something left. And they're and I'm like, I'm not going to bail. And they're like, well that's a shame because we need to hire someone and so they came back again at the end of that four months they're like we didn't hire anybody we want you to come in and meet cal who's the owner and cal walks in nothing like i expected The cal turner like dollar general billionaire family and cal i had no idea what to expect he walks in in like a floral button-up shirt and some shorts with like a grateful dead tattoo on his ankle and like Birkenstocks oh yeah yeah i'm like Cal, you're cool like you're fun <laughs> you know and he's like so <laughs> i loved this he's like yeah so they said you went to vanderbilt i'm like yeah i did and he's like yeah my family you know my family uh donates a lot of money to vandy my and, family owns it <laughs> yeah right exactly and i just looked down like bragger in my interview you said that natalie who are you i don't know who that was it, it matches bragger, bragger.
2: I think it, this this assertive personality that you have though is really working for you in all areas did he start laughing he started
3: laughing his butt off and Daniel Hill who I love he was my boss there for years oh my god Natalie. but like Daniel's pretty straight laced and I mean he like this is the first time you've met him first time I met Cal and we're talking in the first three minutes did you like when you said it could you believe you said it no i mean i <laughs> blurted it out and went well good thing i get along well with john i think he's getting it off his face soon like you know <laughs> what I mean? I'm like i'm not gonna have this job oh man yeah and so i mean daniel like sits up straight just like what's about to happen and cal like his face he, he paused and he just started cracking up and he's like interview's over he's like give her whatever she wants and walks out Okay. So let's talk that about was it.
2: Let's talk about this. What have you learned from be, from uh, how would you define this, this common thread that's happening in all your careers with your personality and assertiveness? Explain that to me and why you think it's why it works.
3: Honestly, I don't know. I guess it's nice to know where people stand. It's nice when people have a strong enough personality that you know who they are. You know, like, you're never going to question. I love people who are, like, direct and assertive and, you know, do their own thing. You know, you know who they are. So that's comfortable to be around those people. Um, But in terms of my life, I honestly have to go back and think, like, it was the path I was supposed to be on. And I don't know the girl who was, like, braggart to her potential potential boss. Like, who says that? (laughs) I mean, I'm glad he took it as a joke because it was meant... In like good humor but I'm like man I don't know him well enough to be like cracking up like that so but I mean it was the path I was meant to be on you know it's what took me to Cal 4 which I was happy there for so many years how we many a years Great run. There? I think I was
2: there for like six years and you got a lot of cuts yeah there, and you? we
3: got a bunch of cuts and I met well I didn't meet Eric there but I started working with Eric there and we became he was signed best there? friends he was signed there already when I came on you know and y'all became best friends we were best friends for years how years okay
2: so how did the friendship go and then when did it cross over to love
3: oh man the friendship was I i mean eric just announced his tour and it's called the nice guy tour He's the nicest guy in the world he is the nicest guy in the world, and you are the most assertive, fun, spicy
2: chiquita in the world, so <laughs> I mean, Eric is so much nicer than me, <laughs> but it, you're you're you got that you got that spicy that I mean, he needs uh, yeah, I
3: mean it, but yes. you're so nice try too, to keep Natalie. It, try to keep it real with him you know and um and he does need that because he he's definitely. Like, he does this thing, but he can be a little bit of a people-pleaser. Like, he worries about, you know, not, about making other people uncomfortable. You know? It's not mm-hmm. like he's people-pleaser and, like, he's going to be subservient or whatever. He's not that at all. But he just wants to make, sure everyone's, wants happy to make sure everyone's happy and comfortable. So, which is great. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> so, how did For, y'all... What was your friendship like? And then when
3: did the moment change? I think... Um, well, we... It started with respect, honestly, as any great friendship does, I suppose. But we were, you know, we were working together. And at first, I wasn't totally into what he was doing as an artist. Because it felt really safe and really innocent. And he was just writing for what he thought he was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so one day, he walked in. and, And he was also not... Writing songs for me to pitch. He was writing things for himself as an artist, yes. and so he was kind of off limits to me. And I'm, you know, you don't invest your time in that. So one day he came to my office. He's like, "Hey, I just finished my album." I'm like, "Cool, man." He's like, "What should I do? Like, what do you need? At, like, to play for other people?" I'm like, "I need an up tempo, rocking song for Jason Aldean, Like, knock yourself out. Thinking, not a chance. Yeah. And Eric goes away and comes back three hours later with like a smash hit for Jason. Really? and I'm like what the heck and so we started doing that I would like almost give him assignments for a couple of weeks until finally I'm like man it, like and his writing was just suddenly exponentially growing like with targets and new bars to like set and out of his I have to write for me like this little this box and, and it was crazy his writing just blew up and just got better and better and better and, yeah. better and better and better and like he's so talented he's so talented so talented and I think that I just Immediately was like Just in awe Of that talent And respected yeah. him And he's such a good guy Like you know, the greatest Like the greatest
2: There might not be A more pure a better soul human being Than Eric Paslay. Yeah
3: there's not I'm like convinced <laughs> There's not He is so pure And so good He's amazing Yes So um, Yeah Yeah he's amazing So After a while You know I was like Hey It's time Like we need You need to start Coming out with me Like you need to start meeting people. Because at this point, your writing is at a level where I could put you in the room with anybody yeah. and you can you can hold the room, yeah. but nobody knows who you are. So come on. So he started coming out, we started going to showcases together and bars and we were out on the town like every night together and we were connected at the hip. I'm, I'm like, I'm dating other people yeah. and like hanging out with Eric all the time, right? <laughs> like I went out of town And didn't give my boyfriend a key to my house. I gave a key to Eric and said, (laughs) would you mind checking on my house and feeding my cat? Oh, my God. Eric and I were not dating and he's allergic to cats. He's like, sure.
2: Oh, my God. He he loved you. So
3: he's been, he loved you a long time. I swear he didn't even know I was alive. I mean, we were just friends. And then, I mean, so he got to see me make errors, dating errors, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to put it kindly. And I think when we finally did start dating, I mean, how did it did How like... did that happen?
1: What
2: was the moment when you finally started dating? Because how do you switch from best friendship of years, him watching you date all these other people, to now you're making out?
3: Hey, I mean, he did it in the most... I'm dying unexpected way. Okay, you got to tell. So, he had a little he would have these little house parties. There was like another not like a music mafia level, but like um, like a smaller one where everyone would get together and go to Third and Lindsay. And I oh, was like, "Oh, I can't believe you remember. Which is another music It was Panish. Here. It was like Dave Panish and Eric and Emily West, um Brad so, Tersey. Playlist singer-songwriter artist. Yeah, like everyone would just go down there and jam. How can I not? I mean, I don't think of what they called. It. it was like Tuesday night jam. Okay. Um but Anyway, so everyone there was like this group of friends and everyone was just hanging out all the time. And so one night Eric had a little house party and everyone's there and um Brad's sitting on the couch and I'm like leaning against his knees, just watching Panish play a song and Eric's drinking Jack Daniels, which is not common. Because he doesn't really drink. Yeah, he's not a big drinker and he's juvenile diabetic, so he watches his like glucose levels pretty carefully and he's over there drinking Jack. And He just walks up to me In the middle of the party And Eric is 6'4 And I'm sitting on the floor And he reaches down Grabs me under the arms And hoists me up into the air He's holding me up and just lays one on me in front of everyone. In front of everybody. I mean, it was like movie scene record, <laughs> like, like like Dirty Dancing when he lifts like, Baby up, yeah, like crazy. And I mean, he lifts your whole body it, up yes. into the air. Not, I mean, not like above him, but like right there in front of him. He's just holding me directly in front of, like right in front of him, and just lays it on me. And I mean, I felt like the world shifted. What like, did no you- joke shifted. Like, movie moment shifted. And then he just put me down and walked away. What? And Pahannish is there. I mean, like, the music stopped. Pahannish, like, stopped play. What happened in the room? Like, this moment of, like, just everyone stopped. Everyone was shocked. I mean, this is so... Out of character. Out of character. And unexpected. I mean, it was, like, this hilarious... What? Pause... Like, literally record-skipping moment.
2: I mean, talk about ballsy. So then what happens? Are you now like, oh, my God, I love you? Like, did it switch I mean, for you immediately? A
3: pretty quick. Pretty quick, which was horrible because I was terrified. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's now great. I don't know how to now, be around you. Yeah, I don't know how to be around you. You're my best friend. <laughs> so we're going to screw that all up. You know, you hate it when you fall in love with your best friend. That's the worst <laughs> thing that could happen, right? Or you best. Know, or best, depending on, you know, if you marry them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so the next day though eric was like sorry about that sorry about that like kill me now like just die like i'm dead i'm dead it's over so what was what what came over him like what did he had
2: was he just gonna go back to normal is that what so. his plan was
3: I Guess so. so but then he but then you know that was it he'd like find an excuse to drink some Jack and I'm not talking like Eric is drunk I'm talking like Eric had a sip of Jack and used it as an excuse to give me a kiss
2: so he would so he would have a little liquid courage and
3: kiss yeah. you or just a, like enough to just call it liquid courage even if it was he like needed, it was ridiculous a crutch yeah and so this went on for a little while until finally I was just a mess you know and I'm like okay he's too nice of a guy to be doing this but he obviously doesn't realize like how erect I am and so we went uh, through a period of time where we, I was like, you know what? Don't talk to me. Like, you can talk to me through management. Like, whatever. Like, no joke. And I had changed publishing companies, you know, somewhere in that mix. So I was away from him. I mean, it was just crazy. And he wrote, She Don't Love You. Oh, that's such a in a that During that she time. Don't
2: Love You, She's Just Lonely, which is nominated for <laughs> Song of the Year.
3: I had started dating someone else just out of sheer misery. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Which I will never name the name. Okay. And I went to it. Like, we had a plugger's group, and Eric was on. He was playing in it, and he played that song that night. And, I mean. Did you die? The room. There there could have been no one else in the room when he played it because he looked up at me, and, I mean, I was on fire. I was so mad at that song.
2: Why were you so mad at that song? Oh, because I
3: just felt like he was sitting on stage, just shoving a freaking—I don't know—hot poker through my heart. I was like, "What is wrong with you?" You know. And so afterwards, he's like, Th- "That song's not about you." I'm like, "The hell, it's not," you know. And he's like, "No, it's really not." And um, but honestly, like that night is probably what put us on the path to be together because he, like, he, I mean he had lost probably 10 pounds in the period of time that we weren't talking. I'd probably gained 10. Like <laughs> I'm laying in bed every night with my roommate and her boyfriend and like a six pack of cider and like some ice cream and some cookies. And so you're upset. Y'all are both upset, but neither one of y'all is mm-hmm. willing to talk about this or mm-hmm. make the move. Yeah. Like I I don't think I was what he expected. You know, And he
2: probably was not what you, and expected. he's not what
3: I expected. So, no, 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 no. Love so works then you all in mysterious ways. So he hit me up and he's like, hey, you want to go to therapy? Therapy? Yeah. God, first he picks you up and yeah. you, then he asks for therapy. It's just yeah. like, he's the greatest. Right? <laughs> and I'm just, I mean, I looked at him like, if you had said anything else, <laughs> if you had walked up to me right now and said, I love you, I probably would have slapped you. But you Do walked you up and said, therapy? Do you want to go to therapy? I'm like, if you had said anything else, there's a good chance I would have never spoken to you again. <laughs> But he said, Do you want to go to therapy? Yes. What a line. I mean, the best. The, be- the best.
2: The like, best. Okay, so you want to get healthy with me? Okay. Yeah. Like, pick up line, best I've ever heard. So, y'all went to therapy? Yeah. So, we went to therapy for like two years. Did y'all start dating when you went to therapy? Yeah, we
3: were dating. Yep. So, we were going to therapy, and after like two years, our therapist, God love him, broke up with us. <laughs> Like, he, yeah, I mean, we're sitting in there and he's like, so what's going on this week? You know, and we're like, telling him our life and our calendars and all that stuff. And at the end of it, he's like, great. Do you guys have any issues you want to talk about other than calendars? And we're like, uh, I don't know. He's like, great. I'm here for you if you need me. But
2: not on a weekly basis. But I'm
3: not doing this with you anymore. You guys are using me as a crutch. Bye. (laughs) And he kicked us out and like... I cried on the way home. I felt like we had been thrown out of the nest. You had been kicked, kicked out, kicked out, and I'm like, thank God for him. Like that's a good therapist, you know. I mean, because he wasn't cheap. He was like, you know, one of those Franklin therapists. Dang, and you're going he every was awesome. Week? Yes, and he was awesome. But like, what thank foundation, you. Foundation that. What a great foundation it was. to start your relationship on. It really was. It really was. Um, you know, I mean, they talk about it. Like, gives you the tools to sit down and not just say we have to talk and have the other person run.
2: you know were y'all really able to get to the bottom of who both of y'all were learn Mm -hmm. how to communicate learn Mm -hmm. what triggers each other like what were some things that you took away from all that two years of therapy that's amazing
3: Mm -hmm. well for us a lot of it was expectations how we were raised and the framework for our faith um he has a more traditional background than i do Mm -hmm. and you know, we believe the same things. Like, we're praying to the same God and we're praying to Jesus and we have like, our faith is in line but definitely came from different places with it. Yeah. You know, and my family's all kinds of screwed up and divorce and this, that, and the other, like, you know, a very broken family, <laughs> you know, which I don't think of it like that at all. Um, And Eric was, you know, leave it to Beaver. Right. So, it was really, really interesting to sit down with our therapist and actually dive into that. Because what surfaced is that all of my stuff is out in the open, Mm
2: -hmm. and none of Eric's is. Interesting.
3: Yeah, and so when we started kind of diving into family dynamics, and this, that, and the other, and you know, nobody is perfect. No family is perfect. So if it looks like that, someone's not not telling the truth. Right. You know, and so we kind of started digging into that and uncovered some things that I think let Eric love me better or at least Mm -hmm. not feel guilty for loving me, you know, because I think he thought he was going to have this like perfect little girl. Yeah. You know, and I'm not that. I never claimed to be. Because you're
2: perfect with the fact that you claim who
3: you are. There, Thank you. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I mean, it took, it took some growing up, like, it took some growing up on both of our parts to recognize it's about expectations and really diving in and loving people for who they are and not what you thought they should be or yeah. what you would have been with. Mm-hmm. like. And so that was really important to us. And it, it was um, huge for us as a couple, but also for both of us independently, like mm-hmm. to understand each other's triggers, to understand each other's backgrounds, to understand ourselves better. Like I grew personally and so did he, a lot. You know, there's been so much that has changed from that and then even after our two years of therapy was up, like we still dated for a while, like another year and a half or something and to the point where I'm like in the fetal position on the counter, like he's never going to propose <laughs> and I've never been that person. Like I never even thought I'd get married, you know? And suddenly here's Eric and I'm like, well, I'm not going to give him an ultimatum because it would be a lie. I'm not going to leave him. I love him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it just had to be the right timing for him and, And that takes us all the way back to getting pregnant. The timing thing, like Eric and I were having a great time, like doing our thing. It's all about timing. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll never get pregnant. I don't know if I want kids. I love kids, but kids are hard. Oh, yeah. They change things. Oh, yeah. You know, and then here we are celebrating our 30 something awesomeness in life, drinking cocktails with our great friends, the hobbies, (laughs) talking about lots of cocktails Lot Yeah, we decided to get pregnant when all of us had had lots of, lots of cocktails. Lots of cocktails. <laughs> and we had a water toast. Do you remember? Uh, yes. We held up our water glasses and had a water toast to getting pregnant and having babies and becoming parents together.
2: And y'all got knocked up, like, immediately. Now that I know you, though, and how your life just falls into place, like, I've always known you, but hearing your story on this level, I'm not shocked when the dominoes just fall just right for you, because... <laughs> You just go for it and you go hard and it's amazing and you're so
3: endearing and precious. It's like, how can things not work out for you? I hope, I hope that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that goes back to you too. Has anyone interviewed you yet for your own
2: podcast? Oh gosh, no, not really. I think, I think it all comes out eventually in pieces through all these episodes. I think I scatter myself through them all. So like if you piece it all together you'll get the picture.
3: So you're just making sure everyone listens to every single episode you so they get the full, <laughs> the full interview of you. Yeah, everyone needs to listen to every episode. Yeah, I mean, they may not know that, you know, you and Michael got pregnant after a water toast. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a big
2: part of it. It is. I mean, it, that toasting really, it's like the magic water. Oh, it's, what do oh, they yeah. say, they go float in the Dead Sea and you'll get pregnant or something like someplace like in Egypt or somewhere. i that. heard that. You'll jump in some ocean and you'll get pregnant. So we got we got it dialed in. Two-tint Jack, water toast. There it is. There you go. Two tin Jack water
3: toast. You'll get pregnant. Yep. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I never heard the floating in the dead sea thing. That might not be it.
2: What is it? It might.
3: We have to look it up. We'll have to look it up. I have to I hate to
2: have to wrap this up soon, but I want to ask you before we end, what has being a mom taught you?
3: Mm. <sighs> wow. That's so hard to answer in like one succinct sentence. I'm not sure that I can but I mean it's such a spherical thing you look at your parents differently like I love my mom better not more but better because I realized that like I'm her little girl Mm -hmm. you know and as much as I want the best for Piper I know now how it feels for my own mother Mm -hmm. you know and why she's so helpful and why she's there for me always and um and why she worked so hard to be a great mom, but also to have that transition into becoming my best friend, mm. you know? And I just pray I can carry that through and be Piper's mom and then best friend. And, you know, I think I learned to appreciate and love my parents better. And that selfless, unconditional love, as much as you, you know it something about having a baby makes it more clear like you can it's almost tangible i don't know it's hard but also you know appreciate your sleep before having kids <laughs> and uh appreciate the help after you've had a baby and take all the opportunity you can for some help extra hands and get some sleep
2: Freaking but love it. i don't know it's amazing okay and then i wrap every interview with leave your light so just leave some inspiration, some advice, some things you've learned on, along the way that you want to share with people. Just to like inspire them, what you maybe wish you would have known, what you've
3: learned. Well, let's stay on brand. If there's a crack in the door, kick it open. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, seriously, like try not to be too merry to a plan. Just follow the path. It will open for you. And sometimes you got to give it a little shove. And don't be scared. Yeah, just go for it. I love you, Natalie. <laughs>
2: Natalie Pasley. I love you. You're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you for coming on. Of course, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm obsessed with you. Like I can't even believe. I just can't believe you're you're. I, I get it now with your grandmother. You are a lot of
3: your grandmother. You're that fiery spirit. <laughs> oh, I didn't even finish that story. We like to oh, cut this off. I think I finish it. But you, yeah, you can edit this part out. Uh, yeah. So like Dylan Altman in the back seat with my Grammy talking about stories just listening, and he's like cracking some joke he's a chef he's cracking some joke with her about this chef and the sausage the sausage and my grammy is just dying obviously understanding the joke deeply thoroughly knowing what he's talking about it was amazing grammy she's amazing i love it yep nally padley you're the best
1: Bye. bye